This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Glad you could join us for a Thursday night edition of the show. We'll talk Knicks, we'll talk football, and we even have some tickets to give away. So hang out with us. You know the number, 1-800-919-3776. You know the Twitter accounts, at Hardesty ESPN, at Gordon Damer, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Along with JP and Brian the Brain, we're here until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitz on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Gordon. Larry, how are we feeling tonight? Doing pretty good, my friend. Doing pretty good. Um, caught some of the Rangers game tonight and the game you just heard here on 98.7 ESPN. Not a good night for any of the local hockey teams. They all lost. But especially the Rangers, I think, if you're a Ranger fan, you're really disappointed here. Jumped out to the 2 nothing lead. Then four unanswered goals by Columbus. You get one back and then the empty nether. This is, this is you know, it's on the road. You get it. But, you know, this is a tough one. And then, you know, tomorrow night is a big night because you're retiring Henry Lundqvist number. Heard him on the K-Show earlier today. That's an emotional night you're going to have here. So, you know, one hopefully the Rangers can bounce back tomorrow night and get back on the winning track. Far be it from me, Larry, to criticize anybody. And it's not a criticism. It's more of a question. Is it unusual? It felt like the, pulling the goalie, they did it very – I mean, it was two and a yeah. half minutes left in the game, and it came exactly. back to burn them right away. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not a hockey guy, as I always mention every single time we talk about it. But I did. it did strike me as I don't remember ever uh, – and they, they almost had an, an extra one. They almost had a yeah. second empty net goal. So yeah. I did think that was interesting tonight. I know they were rolling the dice there, trying to say, "Listen, yeah. we go six on right. four. Listen, we got sure. we'll do it down. We got to get it." But that that's the chance you take, right? That when you do something like that that early, you know. So the Rangers lose. So hopefully they get back on the winning track tomorrow. Gordon, we started it with Van Gundy, and Van Gundy wrapped it up on the K Show today, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> Talking about being critical of the Knicks. And uh, you got, you know, Gordon, you mentioned it last night. A co- couple of callers mentioned it. You read the quotes from him. Here's what he had to say on the Michael K show today about being critical of his former team. When I got home today, yeah, my wife like was like, don't you think you were too hard on the Knicks last night? That's oh, our team. Wow. Because oh. we watched like, thir- we, we've watched probably 35 full Nick games this year. So I said to her, I said, well, did you watch, Cle- you watched Cleveland the other night mm-hmm. with me, right? What? What did you see there? And then what did you see last night? What did you want me to say? And she said, no, but I just think, you know, you might have, you know, that's your team. And I'm like, not really, you know, like it's not like that. I got to say what I see. So that's what I did. But, you know, certainly some are offended, I guess. Well, if they were offended, Gordon, they were offended by the truth because Van Gundy didn't pull any punches and they played that badly. And once again, as we said last night, this is not a phase. This is not, oh, maybe a five-game stretch. They'll get out of it. Maybe it's a 10-game stretch. This team has played this way all year, and the culprits have been the same. It's, it's been the starting rotation. And uh, as he mentioned also in the interview, Gordon, they've been abysmal. They can't play together. And the question becomes, okay, if you see they can't play together, what are you? What else are you going to try to do to get them to play together? A, and if that doesn't work, when are you going to pull somebody out of that starting rotation? You've already done it with Kemba Walker. When, who's the next person and when? Anybody that would be offended by what Jeff Van Gundy said, I, I would think that you were saying the same things. Are, haven't we all been saying the same things? Now, it means more because Jeff Van Gundy actually coached the league and actually coached the Knicks, but in terms of – when are we going to make a change? You can't keep rolling the balls out there and rolling the same group out there to start the game when it's clearly broken. So I, I don't know how anybody could have been offended by it. I would think that most people uh, felt have have said the same things out loud. It just means more coming from someone who's a former coach. Yeah, and and I just wondered what his solutions would be. Now, clearly, he's not going to, you know, he's that guy, right? He's He's a person that, that is not trying to get anybody else's job. He's not going to say anything negative about a coach or what the coach should do or what he would do because the guys asked him, what would he do? And he switched it by saying, you guys think I talk to Thibodeau? I don't talk to Thibodeau. He's coaching. He's busy right now. But you do wonder, Gordon, if he were there, what would he do? What, what changes would he make? Because he was – he was an accountable coach, right? He was a guy that if you didn't play well after a certain time, he would cut your minutes, not bench you, 
but he would cut your minutes a little bit. And that was the message for you, uh, you know, that you had to get better. Now, where he is similar to Thibodeau is he would not allow you to talk about one person. It was always the group, right? It was always the team. We have to do better. We have to do much better defensively. It's not just one person. So from that standpoint, and like a lot of coaches are that way for the most part, but I'm just curious. And, you know, when you have ridden and tied your ship to uh, the SS (laughs) Julius Randle and it's running aground, I just wonder what the next move is and what you can try to do to get him going a little bit because I think if you could get him going somewhat, I think it would lessen the load on the other players and probably relax them as well. You'd like to think so. Uh, In terms of the changes, it's two weeks today, the NBA trade deadline. Uh, And Mm -hmm. the rumors are – it feels like in the last 24 hours, man, the rumors – Ian Begley saying that uh, the one team that he's been in touch with, uh, that the the Knicks would be willing to trade Randall for the right price. Our Brian Windhorst was talking about how the Knicks would be willing to move Kemba and Fournier and Alec Burks to clear a spot for Cam Reddish. It feels like that's where the changes are going to come from because if you were going to make changes to the starting lineup, wouldn't you have made them by now? Yes. Other than Kimba, he has. <laughs> right. That's the only one he made, right? Other than Kimba is in, to bring Alec Burks back. And the interesting thing, and I saw a couple of, of interesting trades too, uh, going to one, one to uh, Sacramento that involved the Aaron Fox, who seems to be the flavor of the month. Yes, uh, as far very as a, much so, yes. As far as a guard coming this way. And, you know, there were some other ones that were intriguing. I, I, I just don't know. Here's the question for me, Gordon, is I just don't know – from the other party, why do you think Julius Randle would play better with you? See, see that that's the big question for me. It does seem it would seem a little strange considering the one stretch that he had that he was at a different level than the rest of his career was with a Nick as a Nick last year. So I, I don't I think it's kind of the type of thing where it's trading one problem for another problem. Mm-hmm. Sacramento apparently from the things I was reading kind of wants a stretch four. I mm-hmm. guess they view Randall that way and that they would be willing to to move De'Aaron Fox in some sort of package. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that necessarily fixes the Knicks' problems, but it would be it would be a fresh set of problems to deal with. It would be right. something different. Yeah. And at this point, something different is better than the same old, same old, and that's what we've had for a lot of this season. Well, Jay Well, who's on Keyshawn, Jay Williams, and Max, 8 to 10, Monday through Friday here on 98.7 ESPN, says Randall in the Knicks last year was fool's gold. When Julius Randall gets that four-year, $117 million deal, uh, a lot of New York fans were ecstatic. And it was deservingly so as an ex-player. You want to see a player get compensated for the type of year he had. But internally, the conversations we were having with a lot of ex-basketball players and executives were, is this fool's goal with this team? Because of all the injuries happened last year due to COVID, it just seemed like everything was working out for the Knicks. But is this truly who they were? I've said it multiple times. I didn't think this was who they were. Now, them making a move for Kemba Walker, who's been injury prone, what they've gone through this year, understanding the history of Tom Tibbs and how there's a consensus around the league from players, a lot of younger players that I've talked to that it just wears you down over time unless you have the right leadership in place, i.e. a Jimmy Butler or Derek Rose. So I I think now having a guy like R.J. Barrett, who's still trying to find himself, Jeff Van Gundy absolutely annihilated this team last night. And it was deservingly so because you're not seeing the effort. You're seeing a team that feels like they're burned out. So, Jay Will, sounds like you think this is a lost season for the Knicks. I think the season's lost. I don't think that you're going to get the value that you would want as a Knicks fan with this season at all. You're going to have to try to get a trade. Now, the question is, what are you willing to give up? And who are you attacking? Are you trying to get a guy like De'Aaron Fox? This is going to be a huge summer for a guy like Dame. You even hear Daryl Morey saying, hey, we're going to hold our cards with Ben Simmons. We're going to wait to see what happens with James Harden. You know, it's frustrating for me as a Hooper because I see the potential of what the Knicks organization could be. And you think about if KD or Kyrie both wanted to come to that organization, how ready they are to be a championship contender. And it feels like last year they were exponentially closer. But I'm telling you as right now, it feels like they're exponentially further away. Oh, there's no doubt about it. They are not close. <laughs> They've gone the opposite direction. Yeah, I don't think anybody's under the impression no. that they got closer. <laughs> no. That's why it's interesting that when you see the trades, Gordon, they include the two people 
that they had that they brought in this year, which clearly means that they see that uh, they made a mistake in bringing them, and they don't see how they can fix them. So they're going if they can, they're going to move them. Absolutely. I don't know how much value they have on the market. I mean, if if these are the Knicks' two biggest problems, in turn, like what you what you are paying them, they are your two biggest problems, and you are a team on the outside of the playoffs. I can't imagine that your two biggest problems on a team that's not very good are going to be all that desirable for for anybody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it seems kind of hard to believe. It does. It really does. Unless it is the bad chemistry of the team. So Jay Will was asked, who do you blame for the Knicks struggles this year? You got to take on management here, man. I mean, this is Leon Rose. This is how they're looking to deal with it. I mean, you, you can try to put your blame on Tom Thibodeau. You know what this is going to be. All us Hoopers know the style that Tom is going to play. We do. So when you give Julius Randle that piece, you are combining assets. But I think there's been a lot of who can you go for next up? Can you get a big-time player to buy into the culture that Tibbs wants to establish with this team? But it starts with having the right young assets and trade value to go get your guy. All right, so Gordon, let's try to translate what Jay Will is saying here because it sounds like it was Leon Rose, Scott Perry, and William Wesley making the mistake of bringing Tom Thibodeau here, right? Because you know what type of coach he is. You know that he's going to be a defensive-minded guy. He's hard on his players. They work hard, and, you know, he, he – He's very disciplined coach. So it sounds like that it's the coach kind of that is part of the reason that maybe he wasn't the right coach to bring in to turn things around. Well, if that's what they are thinking in the Knicks front office, then that's on them. I mean, could you have picked a coach who has a more well-established reputation and resume of, of who he is as a coach than Tom mm-hmm. Thibodeau? Yeah. So if it, if that if that is the way they're feeling, though, then that's that's completely on them. You knew what you were getting when you made the deal. And, and just to go back to Jay's point about how the Knicks have to go out and find you know, how can you get the superstar, they don't have the pieces for the superstar. No, okay. I, I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. You, you, you again last year as great as it, great as it was as as much of a mirage as it was. That was the first step of digging yourself out of this incredibly deep hole. And, he, and you don't get to year two, regress, and think that, okay, now we have the talent. They still have to find ways to get more talent. And considering how they've drafted with Leon Rose, I'm thinking more and more that the lottery is far more appealing than, than, than sneaking into the postseason or the play-in or tournament or whatever than – with the way that they've played so far this year. So here's my question to you, Gordon, and I kind of agree with you, but here's the other, here's the other side of it. Does going into the lottery now make, give you take away any slim possibility of you getting a disgruntled athlete who wants to move away from his team to see what you've got going on here because of, the year that you've had, and now you're going to just go back and go to the lottery, where many players would just say, you know what, Julius Randle looks tired. Julius Randle looks like he doesn't want to be there. Julius Randle looks, you know, for whatever it is, it would be more of, well, they just don't have the right mixture of players as opposed to, God, they're going to start over again? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, if you could find somebody and you could actually make a deal for that person to come here and they had interest in coming here and all those things kind of lined up, I think that they wouldn't really look so negatively on the situation because they probably mm-hmm. feel like they're such a great player that they can change the situation. They're going to gotcha. be better than Julius Randle or whoever they're they're giving up in the process. But uh, does that player exist? Uh, I mean, we can, we can run through the names and – and you take a look at the way most of these teams get these players. It's through the draft or it's through mm-hmm. a trade. And I don't think the Knicks have what's necessary to make a trade. We've all kind of agreed they're not going to be able to sign someone to come here and be the savior. So that leaves only one avenue to go get the guy. That yeah. would be the draft. And you have to build him from there. And then the question becomes, do you have the coaching staff to build them, to get them better, and will they play? <laughs> Because we got a bunch of folks going to call us every night. Listen, we're we're banging the Obi top and get more time. You know, we got the McBrides. People want to see him. Cam Reddish. People want to see him. 
I mean, you know, that that would be the one advantage would be if you moved, you know, the guys in the front in, of, of the, in the starting rotation, if you could move a couple of them, then at least you would have room and then you would see what you could have. So that would be another side of it. It's fascinating. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. No, I think I you either. are the same way. Not until they're almost eliminated, if not officially eliminated from playoff contention, would they ever turn that over that stone? But at this point, unless something dramatically changed, unless Julius Randle can get back to the player that he was or some sort of version of that, I don't see how this season is salvageable at this point. No, I don't think so. I really don't. So Gordon Evan Fournier spoke after the game, and he was just uh, very adamant. They've got to do a better job in adjusting to what teams do. We have to adapt to what, to what the teams are doing. When we had that that good stretch, we were playing you know a certain way because of you know the, the you know the guys in front of us were doing something similar you know every time. And when we play a team that does things differently, then we have to be able to adjust. Like you know what I mean. So if they take away what 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 you know we we do well, then you know you have to do something else, and you have to be okay with that. And you know you have to create opportunities and et cetera, et cetera. And you know you have to. You know, let, let let the game come to you, and uh, and yeah, we, we 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 just have to be able to adapt. I think that's that's the key for us offensively when we're struggling like that. Because I mean, we have the weapons. Let's be honest. Like you know, we we have guys like that can score. It's, 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 it's like it shouldn't be a problem for us to score. So, Gordon, here's the question: What do they do well offensively? Well, RJ's been driving to the basket. That's mm-hmm. been good. Yep. Um, they generally shoot a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. Don't hit a lot of them, but they do mm-hmm. shoot a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it. That's about it. <laughs> that's about it. That's about it. So, since they shoot the three well, uh, they have issues when people put the zone on them. So when they're not shooting, say, yeah, go ahead, put the zone. Here, try, try to shoot against this. And they can't find a way to get because the way to beat the zone is to penetrate against the zone, and they don't penetrate against the zone well at all. So there's just so many things that they don't do. And, you know, it's it's easy to sit here, Gordon, and, and just, you know, dump on them. But here's the bottom line. Their coaches know more about basketball than you and I do. Absolutely. And it is mind-boggling to me that they can't get them to understand that ball movement is the key to success in the NBA. Moving the ball, not dribbling the ball, but moving the ball by passing is the way that you beat teams. You got to push the ball down court. Every off, it's, it's like last year in, in a lot of ways. Offensive possessions are such hard work for this team. They dribble and dribble and dribble. Can't, don't you guys want to push the basketball? Why do you think the bench plays so well? Why do you think the bench has so 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 much success? It's because they push the basketball, Gordon. They don't they bring the ball out. They bring the ball, put the ball in. They give it to Julius Randle, and he trots the ball up court. <laughs> Stop. The bench pushes the ball, Gordon. That's why they yep. there's more energy. They push the ball. They play pay to a quick play to a quicker tempo. I don't know the numbers with pace or anything like that. I don't have the stats on it. I know what my eyes say. My eyes say that they move with the ball well. They play well with each other. They understand where each other likes the ball, and they push the ball, and they put teams on their heels. The starters don't do that. Now, why the starters don't do that? It's a number of reasons. A, because they can't figure out who's dribbling the ball. And now with RJ going to the basket, People are standing around watching him go to the basket, Gordon. And so that's got to be a scenario where, okay, I see him driving, so I need to move so I can get my guy to move or then just just follow him or do things where if he, if there's a defensive change, you're able to, to be an asset to him so he can pass it off to you instead of you standing out there looking at him. And Julius Randle has just become the ultimate ball stopper right now, Gordon. He just dribbles and dribbles and dribbles. Doesn't know what he's doing. Jumps up in the air, tries to pass, turns the ball over. It really is. It's almost like last year never happened. If last year never took place, this would be so much more understandable because this is a lot of 
what it was like in year one. Now, it's not, I don't feel like he's down on the block as much. I felt like in year one, he was down on the block a lot, just kept, kept dribbling, trying to back people down, and that, that went absolutely no place, and generally he would turn the ball over. But this is, it just feels like we've gone back to year one, and somehow year two was this mirage that we woke up from. Yeah, and uh, we're back. Yeah, <laughs> we're back. back. What's that song? Back to life, back to reality. That's, That's what it. it feels like. Yeah, and and as we, I, you know, as I brought up last night, if if this had happened last year, this is what I expected. Mm-hmm. Maybe be the eleven seed. Maybe we can sneak in. It's almost it, last year is completely fool's gold, and and with Randall, it feels more and more. Like it was a guy on a contract year who had a career year. Yeah. And you're paying him on that. And now already, what is it, 50 games they're through? 45 mm-hmm. games, whatever it is. Yeah. You're already looking for the exit, and the, and the contract hasn't even started. I know. And for all the, th- all the talk we've had about how bad of a deal the Fournier deal was and how bad of a deal uh, bringing uh, Kemba here was, maybe the worst, even worse than those two is giving Randall that contract. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, as bad as it is scouting other guys, you got to be able to scout your own. And if they didn't realize that Randall, that last year was not some reestablishment of who he was as a player, that's a complete misjudgment now. It is. And I don't know whether it's – is it that he doesn't feel his game works with the starters? I mean, I don't know, Gordon, because when he comes in and he plays with the, and the starters aren't in there, the game doesn't change. You know, he still struggles. It's not like you can't say we can't pinpoint five games this season consecutively that we could say, boy, he really had a great stretch during those five games. No. I mean, in fairness to Julius, it feels like that way for every guy on the team. They're they're just not – even R.J. Barrett, he's been as schizophrenic as you can be. So that kind of is is just kind of a Nick problem that there's no consistency. None. And you would think in year two, yes, they're not the most talented team, but they would find some level where, okay, this is, this is a, a reasonable thing to expect this team. This is a reasonable level of play, and that has not been the case so far this year. They've had some good wins, but most times they don't bring effort. The, the, the starting unit, I mean, how much more clear can it be? The starting unit get hammered to start the game, and they get hammered to start the third quarter. It's bad. It, it, it's, it's that bad, yeah. It really is. It really is. Another conversation that Jay Will had this morning on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max was about the Brooklyn Nets. And he's, you know, all this conversation, speaking of trades, Gordon, about, uh, you know, that uh, Philly is still interested in James Harden and uh, that they are holding on to uh, Ben Simmons and anything to see what's going to happen with James Harden. Uh, over this over the offseason and everything and the Nets have said we're not doing anything there's we're not listening to any deals to, for the possibility of moving James Harden well Jay World says he understands why the beard would want to head to the city of brotherly love everybody keeps asking but what will the Harden. Nets do to hold on to James Harden I'm sitting over here asking myself if I'm James Harden do I want to be part of the Nets I'm looking at Philly and I'm looking at how Joel Embiid is playing I'm looking at how my situation is panning out here. Kyrie Irving situation, KD and his future health with having an injury. There's a lot of questions that are happening in Brooklyn. Gordon, wasn't it just, it's amazing. Two years ago, we were just like, oh. It was almost like LeBron going to Miami. Not one, not two, not three. Three superstars, yeah. <laughs> Champion And championships. Like, how many are they going to win? Listen, they're going to And we're in year three now? Year three, it's it's amazing. Well, the the it's main amazing. problem is that you can't get all three guys on the court at the same time. Yeah, and and, and I'm sure Harden would be the first one to say it that sometimes you can't get two of them on the court at the same time. That's right. He might not be as as miserable as the reports are that he is if he could have someone else that he feels like is capable of playing at his level and taking over the game like he can take over a game. Yeah, but that hasn't been the case either, and it doesn't seem like that's changing anytime soon. Let's hope that Durant gets back and that he's 100% when he does and hits the ground running and they go into the playoffs. But the Kyrie situation is still very much up in the air. And with the amount of injuries and things that have gone on with Durant, at some point, last year he was the guy that was there during the playoffs. But yeah. at some point, maybe his luck is not so good. 
Yeah, you're right. You got to wonder, you know, is it is and I'm not saying he's injury prone, but it's no. it's, it's it's a scenario where, you know, and they've rested him, Gordon. They, they've 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 done what they could to keep him healthy. Right. It's just freak accidents that have happened. You know, it's just freak accidents. And it's unfortunate. And right now they're in the situation. Look, they should be OK. If they've got some road games coming up where Kyrie will be available. Uh, but then the other thing you notice is, you know, James Harden was hurt in the game last night, so he didn't play. So <laughs> it's, 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 it is kind of crazy. crazy. Now, I don't really worry about them because if you can tell me that Durant's going to be healthy and that, mm-hmm. that Harden will be 100% come playoff time, I don't really worry about them having to get a bunch of games under the belt. They'll, they'll right. figure it out on the fly. Yeah. They're that good. But there's no guarantees. No. No. He can't do it alone. We saw that last year. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> he can't do it alone. He tried. He did his best. He tried to do it alone. Can't do it alone, especially not in the postseason. Chatting with you at 1-800-919-3776. First hour, we talked to Lil' Knicks. We'll turn our attention to the National Football League. We'll talk some playoffs. Also, we got some tickets to give away before we say goodnight to you at midnight. But, uh, Gordon, the Giants have been busy. Uh, they finished a second interview with uh, your former coach, Brian Flores, today. They're going to chat with Bill's defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, tomorrow morning. Uh, this interview will occur in person. The first one was virtual. So uh, they're moving along. They're moving along in their process. They clearly want to get something done, I would say, before early next week. Yeah, it certainly is. It's felt like for a while that it's going to either be – Dable or it's going to be Flores. Maybe there's a little bit of a crack more for Flores because now he's interviewing. There's some some good stuff being written on online and on Twitter about how he did in his interview today. To me, it's still if I had to put odds on it, I still think it's it's at most 65-35 Dable that, mm-hmm. that he gets the job. It just seems like if your if your main problem is your offense, right. You'd have to think you want to go find an offensive guy. And the problem with Flores is not that he's not an offensive guy. It's that he had such problems finding anyone to work with as their offense. Three years, three offensive Mm. coordinators down in Miami. Is that really – if you just had your owner talk about how you've done so many things to screw up the quarterback and you want to keep the quarterback and you still have hope that the quarterback's going to be good – I think Brian Flores is a really good coach. I think he, you know his flaws. You know what his issues are when he walks in the door, and, and his strengths are really, really high. But I don't know if you can do that if, if that's your, your biggest question mark is the quarterback and the offense. Yeah, that, that's a tough spot. That, that is a tough spot. And, you know, you, you've talked about it, uh, Gordon. Being a Miami fan, you've watched him firsthand. I mean, you know, he's not done a bad job. When you talk no. record-wise and, and, and what he's had to deal with there and the battle of the quarterbacks, you know, he's – He's not done a bad job, and and you look at them starting one and seven this year, and you could say, well, they start one and seven. The 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 thing is, they played well. They played hard for him. They didn't give up on him, Gordon, because they no. could have easily, you know, we were talking about golf clubs, talking about golf bags here. I mean, in in Miami, please, they could have easily had the golf clubs down there. And I'll tell you, if he did get the job, Flores, Giant fans would love him because he would bring back the defense. The defense would be a factor. He would figure out a way to unlock what you have on defense and get it to be better than what it was because that's what he did in Miami. But I just don't – you know, the whole offensive thing, unless they have someone in mind Mm -hmm. that they can say, we know for sure this person's going to come in and and run the offense and and another concern I would have there is the last time it feels like ownership got involved in and having someone run the offense it was Jason Garrett yeah that was their number yeah. one choice could you imagine what number two is <laughs> no <laughs> I'm afraid to, I'm afraid to Adam think about Gase it. come on down no can't be no no can you imagine um, Dan Quinn stays in Dallas. Was he kind of offered the McCarthy job if McCarthy fails next year? Yeah, that's a strange one. I thought he was going to leave. Why would you stay? Uh, it, it seemed like Denver was lined up for him, and then when he didn't get that one, he didn't want – I will say this. It, it, maybe he feels that he is eventually going to get another chance. A lot changes in a year, though. I mean, mm-hmm. if Dallas's defense is not great next year, he's not going to be getting the interviews that he got this year. But he, I, I do think it's kind of smart in a way because he's already had one chance – and you generally don't get three chances. No. Like, you no. have to have a lot of success to get a third chance someplace else, like win a Super Bowl or be a, 
a perennial contender. So he, I'm sure he looks at a lot of the teams that are up for – I just don't think there's a lot of desirable jobs. Yeah. The Bears I don't think is a desirable job. Jacksonville, mm-hmm. Houston, Miami, those are four right off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. Raiders, up, possibly a little better. Yeah, a little bit better. But mm-hmm. did he interview there? I don't think he even no, interviewed. I don't think he did. There. No. Yeah. I don't think he did. I don't so think the did. ones that were looking at him, <laughs> it's like the old George Costanza line: "When I like them, they don't like me, and when I like, when they like me, I do not like them." That's and that's the way it's been for him, right? <laughs> that is definitely the way it's been. And I'm just really curious. And here's the thing: I'm curious about. And we'll hear from Adam Schefter on what he thinks the Giants will have by their head coach in a second. But it's fascinating to me because. If let, let, Let's put ourselves in the GM or owner spot, Gordon, right? We just watched <laughs> Leslie Frazier, defensive coordinator, allow Kansas City to do what they did, right? Uh, you've got Todd Bowles, who I have a lot of respect for because he was able to do some things here with not a lot of talent, even though he, he almost went to the postseason his first year, couldn't beat Rex, and then after that it was a nightmare. Although the last year he was here, many thought that you know, they that, win, that team was going to be 0-16, yeah. and they won five games that year, which was a miracle. Um, and he had a zero blitz when you really shouldn't have a zero blitz and leaving Cooper Cup. How do general managers look at the last thing that they remember, Gordon? does that is that going to hurt them as far as a coaching possibility? How do you look at that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much of uh, the Leslie Frazier is that desired a, a candidate to begin with. Uh, mm. But I would think that if you think that Leslie Frazier is good enough to bring him in for an interview and you hear what you want to hear from him, I don't know that you can get too crazy about it because mm-hmm. the Chiefs do that to everybody. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. Chiefs do that to everybody. Maybe – uh, and and one play is that enough to change your mind? If you're Todd, if you if you go out and you say you know what, we want to interview Todd Bowles, and Todd mm-hmm. Bowles comes in and, and and knocks your socks off, I think yeah. you'll forget about that. Yeah, you know. And then you know, Gordon, the the other part of it is, and it's a shame to say it, but you just ha- you have to wonder how how much are they really interested, and in how much are they fulfilling what they have to fulfill? Yeah, it does feel it does feel that way. You know. I mean, how much it's of it te- is that? It's a terrible system, but I don't know what the, the right system is. Yeah, you know, because you just get the feeling like, okay, yeah, all right. We, yeah, There's certain okay, people we got to and, and And that might be beneficial to a young coach who's never gone yes. through the process to kind of get him, his feet wet. And he knows he's not probably going to get the job, but at yeah. least the next time, two years down the road, three years down the road, he'll have a little bit better sense of what the process will be. Mm-hmm. Leslie, Fra- what was Leslie Frazier like in his 60s? Uh, he's, yeah. he's been around the block a time or two. Yeah, he knows. He knows. You know, and Bowles, obviously, having been a head coach, knows. Yeah, he knows. Exactly. Exactly. You know, he really does. So you just wonder, you know, how much real, you know, how much you really, how seriously are you really are looking for these folks? Michael's in Port Jeff. Hey, Mike, you're next on 98.7. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, Mike. Okay, about the uh, 49ers, they have a young quarterback, and um, I don't know if they could win the Super Bowl because if their quarterback throws a lot of interceptions, but if they do get to the Super Bowl, they have a young quarterback who's nervous and young, and he's and if early in the game, if he gets the ball, he can overthrow the wide receivers. So it's very, you know, I, I don't know if he, he can do it, but uh, I like the Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs got a great team. They got the Roadrunners and the Cheaters. Go Chiefs, baby. All right, thanks for the phone call. Is he talking about uh, Trey Lance on the Niners? Uh, I don't know who he's talking about. Yeah, well, no, he's talking about Garoppolo. <laughs> if he's talking about turning the ball over, he's talking about Garoppolo. <laughs> I thought you were saying about a young quarterback. Garoppolo's yeah. not young. He's talking about he Jimmy t- G, but Jimmy G's not young. You think of him as – he thinks of him as young. He's not young. He's, he's very been handsome. around a minute. Well, it's almost like he should not be allowed in the forces of the universe to win a Super Bowl. He's got enough stuff going in his favor. He does. He he's does. a quarterback in the NFL, looks like uh, that. Yeah, he does. He in the Bay Area. Come on. He's got too much going for him. It's not right. It's, it's not. It's not right. Just not right. Adam Schefter, when would the Giants have a head, court, head coach? I would think that before the conference championship games kick up on Sunday, the Giants will have a new head coach. Obviously, the finalists seem to be Frazier, Flores, Dayball, and, and I think it'll be one of those guys, obviously, and, and I think they'll have a decision after they wrap up the interview process here soon. Gordon, I, and this is just me, and you know, we just had that conversation. I don't see – I think it's Dayball, too. I, I don't see Frazier. I don't see Frazier – over Flores, you know what I mean. Two defensive guys. I, I don't see. I, I see Flores get, getting the nod there. 
between the two defensive guys. Yeah, I I would be kind of I, I know there's been a little bit more of cracks in it. I don't know if this is just negotiating tactics on Dayball's part because he was the first one to interview and he's still kind of out there and these jobs are getting taken now. But I would still be kind of surprised if it's not Brian Dable. The fact that you brought in Shane from Buffalo, they have mm-hmm. a connection, they know each other, you need somebody offensively. He's the one of the hot assistants this year, the hot young offensive assistants. He's been around the league. This is his next step. It's not like he's just done this for a year, even though he is a rookie head coach, which you'd probably like to avoid. I just feel like it's going to be Dable. And he's already told you that's not a big deal to him. Right. He made that clear. Yep. That's done. He doesn't necessarily, his head coach doesn't necessarily have to have previous head coaching experience. So that kind of tells you right there who he wants. You would think, yeah. It, it would feel like it's it's lined up that way. Yeah, that, that's, that's the way it sounds Weird to me. Weird things happen, though. You know, I, I guess True. if you're Miami and you have such interest in this guy, why wouldn't you just, if, if this is your number one choice and he has the relationship with Tua and you're sticking with Tua and all these different things, why are you just offering the job right now? Yeah, exactly. Why? Why are you letting him possibly Twisting go to the, the wind? Giants? Yeah, you know, just just. Well, you know. that's the Miami way. They'll, <laughs> they'll be such idiots. <laughs> they'll end up bringing back Brian Flores again. No, I don't think that'll happen. <laughs> well, on his part, he'll say no. Yeah, they, he'll they say was, no. Hey, He'd Brian. Like, uh, now that we think about it. Yeah. No, he's like, I'm good. I'm good. So Keyshawn had an interesting theory. As a matter of fact, I can't believe that Keyshawn Johnson. And John Mara agree on Daniel Jones. We'll explain when we return on 98.7 ESPN. They screwed him up. Like, there is a such a thing of screwing a player up because you didn't get it right. And if all of a sudden this is now his third head coach, this is now his 100th offensive coordinator, and it ain't right, then it's on him. But you can't keep flipping coaches and offensive line coaches and receivers and expect for a guy who's young that's not a 13-year veteran to give you what you're looking for. Keyshawn Johnson. From KJM, you can hear them Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 here on 98.7 ESPN. Hardesty and Damer till midnight. Gordon, I hear what uh, Keyshawn is saying. And to a certain extent, I agree with him. As John Mara said, that they have screwed up Daniel Jones. But here's the other thing I would say to Keyshawn. What is the option? The head coach is not working. What do we do? Do we keep do we keep staying with him because we don't want to change the quarterback? We go, we want to make it so that the quarterback doesn't change. We want consistency, but they're not. It's not working. They're bad. We got to move on from them. We tried Jason Garrett. That didn't work. We tried Freddie Kitchens. That didn't work. So you know it hasn't worked. Do we do we stay with the thing and keep banging our head against the wall, knowing that it doesn't work? You got to make a change. Yeah, they they. Again, they didn't want to fire Joe Judge. No, they want, they, they want consistency. They want to keep. That's why I think the Giants' job is a really appealing job because you realize if you have any level of just don't lose six games a year. And even if you lose, even if you only win six games a year, don't come out and talk the way that Joe Judge. I mean, he had been able to be quiet during these press conferences and just kind of given more reasonable answers. He'd probably still be here. So they no haven't wanted to make the changes. Here. Yeah, no, they didn't want to make these changes, but they were forced to because he was just that bad. So I, I hear what he's saying, but I would I would just put it to Keyshawn. So what you're saying is that you still think there's enough of, of a possibility that Daniel Jones is good. So are you you're picking up the fifth-year option? Because that's $22 million. You're doing that? Because I'm not he, doing that. I don't know. I might. I might want him here. Maybe he will be good, but I'm not. I'm not risking that much money on him right now considering he can't even stay healthy. Here's the other thing I'll tell you, Gordon. If Keyshawn was on this team, he would want to change. (laughs) I know. Absolutely. (laughs) Could you imagine? He would want to change. I'm just telling you. Yeah. Of course. He'd want to change. We're going to run the same offense. He'd be like, we need to get rid of this. We need to change something. This is not going to work. (laughs) You know. It can't. It doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. Say back to the phones. John John's in Harlem. Hey, John John. Hey, what's up, Larry? I'm getting on the speaker. Give me one second, please. All right. How you doing, buddy? We're great. How are you doing? Let me stand correct. I stand corrected like like your man said today this morning. Stop calling acting for one host. Both of y'all do a great job of holding the show down. Um, yeah, I want to talk about the Knicks. I guess, and I'm really a Giants fan, so let me jump on that real quick. About time they shifted from those old ways that don't work. 
They got away from what got us our first championships. Linebackers, defensive linemen, and decent safeties. Every time we won the championship, we kind of had that figured out, especially the first group with Lawrence in them. But so let me segue over to the Knicks now. Um, <laughs> your man said today, this morning, I'm sorry, Rutherford said, Dave, I'm sorry, Dave said it this morning. He's finally come to grips that he thinks Tibbs is the wrong coach. I've been saying that before he even got. Once I heard that they were thinking about interviewing him, I know it wasn't going to work. Let's go to Jeffrey Gundy. He quoted the NAA word or statement, a pillar of NAA. The definition of insanity is to continue to do the same thing. This man is known for defense. Where is the defense? We don't even look like nothing like a defensive team, and he's not moving off of that. Like he's sacrificing our future, let's correctly say it, the Knicks' future by not developing the young players for these veterans so his record could look 500 because it ain't 600 or 700 or 800 just so he don't look bad. So he don't want to take one for the team, meaning understand you're going to lose games, get rid of those vets, and develop these very good young players. What do you think, Larry? Well, John, John, thanks for the phone call. I don't think it's just Thibodeau. I think that's how the front office feels. Gordon, this has been a team that's not made the playoffs in a while. They don't want the garden to be dark, <laughs> in the, you know, in the in, in the summer months. They want they want some action in the garden. So I think they're kind of torn. They would like here's what in a perfect world they would like to continue to get better, continue to make the postseason and develop the young talent, and slot them in and try to package improve them, package them to get better talent, right, and then build around it. I think that's the game plan. The problem is that right now, the folks that they brought in this year to work alongside and trying to build around Julius Randle has not worked. And Julius Randle has not worked. So it, it has thrown a monkey wrench in their plans. That's the issue right now. Yeah, I think that that's what appealed uh, about Tibbs was he was going to come in and kind of establish a culture and accountability and all these type of things. And that that would be enough to kind of maybe get them into the play-in game and they could kind of – just established being a credible organization after the disaster of the Phil Jackson regime and all that type of stuff. And hopefully they would be able to build along the way. And eventually one of those, those superstar players would become available and then they could make the jump. Now, last year they exceeded every expectation. And now this year it's kind of back to where we thought they were going to be. So it's, that's that as great as last year was, that's not really the way you want to do it. You don't want to have the great year right away because then right. the expectations immediately follow, and that's what that's happened right. coming into this year. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Charlie's hey, in Elmhurst. Hey, Charlie, you're next on 98.7. Hey, guys. So yesterday I want to continue to talk about the, the New York Knicks, and I know uh, before I get into the main topic, I know the Knicks are playing the Bucks. I don't know why that game's 10 p.m. start, but – Milwaukee Bucks coming off of a, a, a loss, so and double digits, so maybe I think it's a good place to if you are betting. But but the Milwaukee Bucks, just saying. So, but in terms of uh, the Knicks, I mean, I think the Julius Randle uh, experiment has absolutely failed. Uh, you hear about all the disappointments and on and on, but. I'm, I don't know where, where this direction, what's the, what's the direction where this team goes. Because right now, I mean, Leon Rose, can you speak up? Can you speak? Like Michael K said it. Why why is he not talking? Well, for what, what, two years now almost? And he does not want to be in the spotlight. He does not want to be in the spotlight. He doesn't want to be uh, out unacceptable. front. Yeah, he does, well, but I mean, that's, I'm just telling you like, why he's not talking. He's never okay. really spoken. He's spoken one no. time. He's been on the job for what, two and a, two and a half years? Yeah, I think he spoke to Mike Breen, right? And, <laughs> yeah. And and I think that who are the keepers on this team in the Knicks? And what do the Knicks have to do? Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, after the offseason, the trade down on and on. I think the keeper is uh, R.J. Barrett. Yeah, you got to need you got to need free, free throws. That that got to make free throws. But R.J. Barrett's a keeper. I think Mitchell Robinson's a keeper. And I like the fact that I mean, on that deal for Cam Reddish. They did not give up Quinn Grimes because Quinn Grimes, I want to see this guy play. And the fact that um, Tom Thibodeau, uh, Thibodeau needs to, like, change their rotation, have more Grimes play. And well, Grimes, has been, and, Grimes has been playing. Grimes has been playing. 
Yeah, I need more. Uh, he's, he needs a lot. More. He needs to <laughs> more, get, more, get more minutes. And, and well, he's been getting a lot of minutes, John. Thanks for the phone star. call. He's and, been getting a lot of minutes. I will say this. Oh, hold uh, hold Mitchell Robinson is not a keeper. Mitchell no. Robinson is not a keeper. He's not can't stay healthy enough. He he he's a tease. He's not a keeper. Well, and, it's like it's like anything else. When he says when he said about R.J. Barrett, yeah, I want to keep R.J. Barrett. But if a, if a deal comes along where you're getting a a, a far better player, then bye. no, there's there's no right exactly. Let him go. Yeah, let him go. Bye. I mean, look, and, and once again, look what the Nets did. I mean, you telling me you don't think they would love to have Allen at the center position right now? Right. You you don't think they would love to have him? You don't think they would love to have Spencer Dinwiddie right now? You have to give up. You have to get give up to get. This is this is not charity. <laughs> you have if you want real talent, you've got to give up talent. And so that's their thought. We develop, we draft enough, we develop, we develop, and as players are good enough. Hopefully we we trade trade them to get better players, and these other players become you know the, the the groundwork of what the team the foundation of the team, and that's how you build. That's how you move on. That's what Golden State did. That's what you have to do. That's how you build teams now. Yeah, uh, the, the, it's always everybody wants get rich quick. Yeah, everybody wants it to be right now. I want it to be that way too. I'd like it to be better than what it is, but oh, please. you have to. Please. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta put in the work. It's gonna take some time. The the Knicks were not a quick fix. They were not no. a flip. They were not no. one of those HGTV shows where they <laughs> they turn the whole thing around in thirty minutes. <laughs> no, this is a long rebuild. <laughs> as, as I, I once I was ta- I was talking about the Giants and trying to put it in the right frame of mind for my mm-hmm. wife. I said, you know, the Giants they're not they're not the the HGTV show. They're much more of hoarders. They're much more of uh, my 600-pound life. You know, there's going to be a plan that's put out, but it's going to take a while to kind of figure out the, the right way to go here. So, uh, and there's going to be some setbacks too. in that plan. Yeah, absolutely. Always setbacks in that plan. Always a couple of steps forward, a couple of steps back. Unfortunately for the Knicks, it's just been steps back. Yeah, it has been. It's sad. It really is. Lou is in Manalapan. Lou is next on 98.7. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hope you guys are well. Um, I want to talk about the New York Knicks, as many of these callers have called them for. And I kind of want to tie it into the Giants, okay? Hmm, okay. So everyone, everyone's getting crazy with Tom Thibodeau. And I don't think that it's, it's necessary to get, you know, impatient. What, did the, what has every New York franchise done in the last, you know, Maybe two years. Most of them, lose. They had to change their coach, right? Oh, okay. mm-hmm. They had to change their coach, and and you know, head coaches and managers and and guys that could get teams to win, they don't grow on on trees. And what did last year prove to Nick fans that Tom Thibodeau he won he was the coach of the year. He he got the team to play out of their mind. Maybe. We got a little too excited as fans because we saw it, and and maybe Tom Thibodeau plays too many veterans, and he should go back and utilize the the idea that last year he used Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly to in, ignite a, a you know a veteran heavy team. I mean they had some veterans there, you know, um, and guys that were like journeyman players that were playing out of their mind. You know, and Tom Thibodeau got that out of them. So, like, before we think about firing and starting a new coaching, you know, uh, a coaching search, how about we see, like, maybe maybe the Knicks just need to play, you know, try Sims, try um, McBride, you know, play more of Grimes. You know, if, if these veteran guys aren't doing it or they're just not in shape to do it, you know, or they're not, exciting the team to play like you know they're, they're making mistakes all the time you know veterans help and and not having Derek Rose in this lineup I mean no one says it you know I listen all day long and no one even you know thinks about Derek Rose you know him being out is huge it's a big it is loss a yeah no question it is thanks for the phone call it, it is a big loss but here's the thing I would say to you you've got a veteran coach and I'm not saying that he should be fired yet. What I am saying is, show me some adjustments. 
show me something that you're doing that can put a, a jolt in this team. Show me that you're going to sit Evan Fournier a game, that he doesn't shoot well and play well. And yeah, maybe you start the kid Grimes and you go that way. All right, show me. The, every good coach, Gordon, has to find a way to be creative to continue to keep his team believing that he has the keys to their success, that he is the guy that can take them to the next level. And right now, they don't believe that, Gordon. They don't believe it when they start the game, and they don't believe it when they come out at, after halftime to start the third quarter. They just don't. And you can see they don't because they don't respond. Whatever he tells them going in to, to come out to start the game in the third quarter, it falls on deaf ears. I don't know whether he needs whether they still use the old whiteboard that used to be there. Maybe he needs to change the colors of the board. Maybe he needs to have an assistant talk to them. I don't know. Something's got to change, Gordon, because it has not worked all season. Yeah, and, and part of me thinks when you're talking about the coach, the fact that it's not worked, well, maybe they're tuning him out, which would obviously be negative for him. But then there's part of me that's like, that feels that he's not making any major changes, so clearly he doesn't feel any heat. I, mm-hmm. I don't think that anything is going to – unless something were to d- dramatically disaster it, kind of second half of the season where they not only fall out of the playoff mix, and it's not even a consideration and they're losing 8, eight of 10, 9 of 11 – I don't. I, I would. I'd be very hard pressed to think that there's going to be a coaching change in the next future anytime soon. No, I don't think so because I don't think they want to pay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Number one, uh, I don't think they want to pay, and they and they kind of want to have some consistency. Gordon, it goes back sure. to what you know the previous one of the previous callers said. They do kind of want to have some consistency, and I mean, you know, how do you fire a coach of the year? <laughs> yeah. Although that actually has been it did, one, it did happen. I don't know if it is still the case, but it has happened. It's almost like the kiss of death. Yeah. You get that title and all of a sudden the next year it, things don't go. It just shows you how many things have to go right in a season to for to for you for a team to overachieve and that's generally what happens when it's the coach of the year award winner. It, it's it, a team it's, that's overachieved. You're right. It's just funny because you know, we don't talk about it here, but I mean Gordon, the Atlanta Hawks have had the same issue. Absolutely. You know, they were really good last year. They were they were the talk of the, you know, they were the hot team just like the Knicks were. And this year, it's not been the same. They've not been able to capture that same magic. They've not been able to do that consistency. And, of course, part of it is, you know, teams were, teams have gotten better in the East. That's part of it. But uh, the idea is that, you know, and, and it's kind of unfair, but really, you know, Trey Young was that guy that was the the, the author the the uh, you know the the orchestrator of their offense. Okay, Julius Randle was the orchestrator of the Nick offense, and both of them are playing poor tunes <laughs> right now, and their teams are suffering. Both and the Hawks are a far more talented team than the Knicks. Absolutely, absolutely, and they are playing awful right now. Awful. Uh, Doug's in Long Island. Hey, Doug, you're next on ninety eight seven. Hey guys, how we doing? Good, Doug. What's up? I think there's a couple of things. One, I mean, as fans, we were so starved. As Knicks fans, I think we put Thibodeau up and out there. And I got two concerns. One, Jeff Van Gundy's his good friend. Do you guys, does it not concern you that maybe there's something with Rose and Thibodeau for his good friend on national TV to just lambaste this team? Because if the shot wasn't at Thibodeau, that's his buddy. I, and to me, that's the one thing. And the other thing, I know people keep saying what to do and what to do, but people forgot about how important Derrick Rose was to this team. Derrick Rose was that guy who came here when this was a mediocre team and got the most out of quickly, got the most out of Obi, and he doesn't have him right now. And that's what this team, to me, is missing more than anything. Well, you're right, Doug, in that sense, and thanks for the phone call. But here's the thing. We, we remember that there's no Derrick Rose. We got it. But, you know, it's, 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 it's the way the starters have played. And he wasn't a starter. It's the way Julius Randle has played. It's the way Fournier has played. So, no, what, what Derrick Rose would be able, Gordon, maybe he would be able to, as he did last year on many occasions, right, Anchor a second unit that would help you win some games that you probably should have lost last year. I grant you that. But here's the thing. That still doesn't solve the issue of what's going on with your starters. He was great part of the bench unit. 
But you're right. Uh, the, the main problem with the Knicks is they come out and fall behind in the first quarter, and then the, the bench will come in for a stretch. They'll kind of normalize the game a little bit in the second quarter, get it back to within a striking distance. And then in the third quarter, they come out and get the, their, their teeth kicked in again. And again. And, and again. again. And, again. <laughs> and, and look, if you had Derrick Rose – Maybe you win a couple of these close games. Maybe the mm-hmm. record doesn't look as bad as it is and you feel a little bit better. But, again, it's not about just kind of feeling a little bit better about where you're at right now. It was that last year you thought you kind of established something. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing now that you didn't, really, you didn't really establish anything. And now your foundation that you thought was pretty good last year has got cracks in it. And, see, that's the, the concern. The biggest one you can have. Yeah, that's the concern. Yeah, that's the concern. Because now you're like, oh, we thought we could build this house. Oh, well, we're not building this house now. We got to relay the foundation. And that's an issue. It's an issue. Buddha's in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? What's going on, my guys? Buddha. You know, um, if I was Nick's management, I wouldn't fire Tibbs either. I'd just sit him down and have a stern talking to him. You know, listen, this is what it is, bro. We're not going anywhere yet. So, you know. Squeeze what you can squeeze out of these young guys so we can know what we got. And as long as he's like, okay, we're good, that's where we go. And then we just wash off the second half of the season. You know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, if he gives you a headache or he starts, you know, acting funny and starts twitching in the chair a little crazy, then at the end of the year, maybe we have to discuss something. But besides that, you don't get rid of him. It's not going to serve any purpose. You know, he just has to change. Like you said, he has to change what he's doing. And maybe he needs to be told he needs to change what he's doing. I don't know if those conversations are taking place, you know, but that would, that would be a place I would start. But let's talk about a real team, though. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about a real team here. You know, um, and it was even more annoying than what's going on with the Knicks. Is, all right. You know, this is the second year Embiid is playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. You know, out of his mind. And, um, you know, dudes like him with that size, they're going to lifespan. And I'm just listening to this nonsense about, you know, um, James Harden and how Maury is just waiting to get him next year. Like, you know, first of all, James Harden's won absolutely nothing. I mean, I'm glad, he, you know, he, 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 he played well for the, for the Nets last year at the second half, you know. But, you know, he came up lame. There's always something going on with him, you know, at the end of the season when you need him to be the best. So I can't sit here banking on that. You know, Maxie is holding that point guard down, you know, in a, in a fashion that, you know, is, is, is a winning fashion. He doesn't have to be an all-star. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we still got this guy sitting on the team for? You, you know, you're wasting this guy's prime, man. Like, at this point, I would take a group of role players, you know, because to me, it's a fantasy of, you know, we're not trading him for equal value. What is his value? Is he a true NBA all-star, or was he an all-star in the East when the East was bad? Would you consider the game that he played the last two years? Would you look at the All-Stars they have now? Would you put them on an All-Star? Uh, not in the last two minutes of a game, no. <laughs> so, so then what's the point? Yeah. See, what Maury's doing and, and what annoys me, and, I mean, obviously it's not just going to be what Maury's doing because it's easy to point at the GM. The ownership, they, they, they're going to dictate what these guys are doing. And it seems like there's more of an emphasis of we need to teach him a lesson or – we need to show that you can't do what he did rather than look around right now and the Nets are the walking wounded. They're not going to make it to the finals with all three of those guys healthy. You know they're no. not. Mm-mm. The Bucks, as much as the Bucks are good, any series you play the Bucks, you get in a sixth or seventh game against them. Like, we got to take hold of this opportunity right now. I hear what you're saying, Buddha, and and thanks for the phone call. It, it's very simple. Uh, they want to try to get as much as they can for Ben Simmons, Gordon, and they're going to hold on to him until you know they feel they can do that. And it's uh, you know it's 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 a unique situation because uh, he doesn't want to be there. No, nope. they don't want him there. No, I, I think that they do want him, but he he don't want to be back there. And at this point, too much too much water under the bridge, right? Yeah, I would think so. I would think they just can't. They just they just not gonna be able to deal with it. I really don't. And um, I also don't think that uh, you know the fans want him. <laughs> well, I mean that's Either. a perfect that's a perfect example for all the Knicks fans who are saying, well, the Knicks just have to go out and make a trade. They got to go out and get the superstar. They got to go out and make a splash. Here, are the Sixers who have a player now. Look, he has his flaws, 
but he's a he's he, he he's an appealing player. He can play defense. He has diff, absolutely is a skilled player in certain aspects, not offensively, not at the foul line, but he has some skills and they can't get anything of fair value for him. Right. Exactly. And and let's be honest, the Knicks don't have anybody as talented as him. No. They don't. Are the Sixers just going to waste a year of Embiid's prime? Yeah, looks like that. Looks like that. Unless they make a move at the deadline, and what are they going to trade deadline? What are they going to do? I know they got two weeks. It doesn't feel. Sometimes these things pop up out of nowhere. Granted, but it doesn't feel like they're moving towards making some big splash right now. Usually, these type of things get talked about. Mm -hmm. There's little whispers and rumors and smoke and all that type of stuff. That doesn't feel like the case there. Feels right. like they're just like, all right, we'll just hold on until the summertime. Exactly, exactly. Gordon, I can't wait to get your thoughts about this weekend. I've got some interesting thoughts as well about. I just, I just hope it can come close to last weekend, Gordon. I just hope Sunday can come close to last weekend. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Ah, that's, a, that's a tough task. That's a tough ask. No, close. I didn't say duplicate it. Close. Mm. Can I get close? I guess we'll not. See. No, I don't think so. Oh. If, I, if I had to go out and if I had to go to the old fan duel, I would I would be betting uh, no. I would be betting mm. no on that one. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on ninety eight point seven ESPN.